time to take the edge off with the Edge Agency. Pour yourself a glass of wine, kick back and relax while we ask the tough questions and get down to the nitty gritty of being a business owner. Welcome to Take the Edge Off podcast brought to you by the Edge Agency. I'm your co-host, Alex Radford. And I'm your co-host, Lindsay Hogan. So this episode of uh, Take the Edge Off podcast, we're highlighting Mental Health Awareness Month, which is the month of May. So here to help us on this topic is writer, TED speaker, and online educator, Hannah Brencher. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So Hannah has a heart for building leaders. Her second book, Come Matter Here, arrived in bookstores in May of 2018. Her first book, If You Find This Letter, tells the story behind the social movement, More Love Letters. Since 2011, More Love Letters has spread to over 70 countries, all 50 states, and over 100 college campuses. Named as one of the White House's Women Working to Do Good, Hannah and her work have been featured in publications such as CNN World News, The Wall Street Journal, Oprah.com, and Glamour Magazine, among dozens of others. Hannah lives in Atlanta with her husband, Lane. So that's a little bit about Hannah. Just in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty amazing. She's, She's kind of a big deal in case you didn't catch that. <laughs> She's like, stop it. Okay. So one thing I saw that like was not in your bio that you emailed us, but I saw it online. I thought it was so, I just, it hit my soul, Hannah, was that you wrote in your online bio that you've dedicated your life to the brokenhearted. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely been something that, well, first off, I feel like I could have never planned or anticipated the career that I'm in. It was not part of the five-year plan or anything I thought (laughs) coming out of college. But I think the one thing that has been consistent within my life and my career has just been the brokenhearted that I feel like they show up in my inbox. They're constantly showing up in my direct messages. They're the ones that reach out and ask me to write letters to them. And so it's just always been at the forefront of, I think you find your cause and you go for it. And I think also across your lifetime, you find many different causes, but the one thing that's always just been consistent is that at some point, every single one of us is going to deal with heartbreak. And I think that that's where my writing has been, the most healing to other people. Yeah. I love that. I love that they've found you. You're yeah. Like, I can't get away from them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I felt like it was like made clear to me, like at the beginning of my career, like this is where I'm going to be able to touch people and reach yeah. people through the power of the internet and social media at the time, like was evolving. It's not um, as 24 seven constant as it is yeah. today, but I feel like that's just always been the spot where I've been able to reach people is yeah. through my inbox. So yes. this is not a question we had planned, but do you, so I felt like I've definitely had a broken heart before and I can relate really well to people who are going through pain. Cause I'm like, I've been there. I get it. Do you feel like that? Like, have you had like a bad experience in the past where you just feel like you, they can relate to you? Yeah. I think honestly, while we wouldn't wish heartbreak on anybody. We all are going to experience it at some point. And it was interesting. I just sent like a little video message. I've been sending video messages to people that email me like with really like 
heartfelt stuff because I'm like, I want to be able to say so much to you. I also don't have 30 minutes to type it all out. And so I've just been popping onto a video message and then like sending the video to them. But I just said to the girl, she emailed me because she was going through one of her first heartbreaks and came out of nowhere. And I just told her in the video, I said, as hard as it is right now, and you don't want to hear it, like when you go through heartbreak, you walk into a very um, exclusive but inclusive club where all of a sudden you know and you understand and later down the road, you're going to be able to help somebody else walk through it because you walked through it. And so while I wish like depression, um, like while I wish sometimes depression wasn't a part of my story, like would I take it or leave it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I understand the heartbreak that comes with it. And I understand that that makes me a better advocate. And that also allows me to walk with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's your calling a little bit, whatever you've been through in life, because look at, look at, you've made a career out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of great. I mean, that's awesome. I I love that. I once was, I was reading this book and it was this college professor and um, he was also like the therapist on campus basically. And he said he's seen everything, all types of death, you know, all types of, I mean, everything, I mean, as you could imagine, but it was, this part really got me. He said, no one ever cries in my office. Like someone who does that's been heartbroken. Yeah. It's, it is one of those things. Like even today I was going back looking for a specific email, um, in my old college account. And I came across these emails from somebody that I loved in college Mm -hmm. And you read these things back and all of those feelings flood back Mm -hmm. and like the feelings aren't real anymore and you've gotten over that and you're in a much better place. But like there is like no words for it to like love somebody and to give them so many pieces of yourself. And then that weird mode of. They're not there anymore. I don't even know you anymore. I don't know you anymore. We don't speak anymore. They're on earth. But like. They're not like that's the freakiest right. thing. Right, it is. It's like ghosts. Like yeah. I always tell people, like you yeah. need to let go of your ghosts yeah. because so many people carry them for so many years and yeah. they hold them back without even realizing it because you're still walking around thinking, "I need to meet somebody who's exactly like this person," and they were there for a reason. Yeah. They helped mm-hmm. you realize something. They grew you up in different mm-hmm. ways. But like the best thing we can do is like get rid of those ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with this or not, but I've heard it said (laughs) that like divorce is harder than death because at least when someone dies, there's closure and it's like, you know, they're never coming back. I said, I don't know if I agree with that statement or not, but I've been divorced and it's hard, but it's because it's like every time you see that person again, it's like this reminder of that. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, you don't know if your biggest fear is them, you seeing them or you never seeing them again. Yeah. It's like, what's worse? I think rather you into them or that you never <laughs> I know the answer. I, I, I went through like waves. I was like, I hope I do. I hope I don't. I hope I do. I, hope I, do. <laughs> I think that there's something though, like, and I, I haven't gone through divorce, but I think with marriage, with relationships, with friendships, mm-hmm. I think that there's something inside of us that the thing that we hate the most is that they are going to go on living their life yes. and it's going to be a life 
completely separate from you. Like even in like going through a friend breakup where I'm like, Mm -hmm. no one talks about friend breakups and we need to because they're really, really hard, like more painful than some of the breakups I've been through. But I think the hardest part to grapple with was this person still takes up place. Yeah. On yeah. the planet, right? Yeah. And I'm not in their life anymore. And yeah. I'm not important to and them anymore. And they're doing great. <laughs> and they're doing, yeah. And there's that sadness and this weird, where do we put these feelings? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not the things that you really talk about on social media. Yeah. Like, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. 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 I can't start a, weird... a live video about that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Watch it <laughs> wherever you are. I don't know. I don't know what, who that segment was for, but that felt like that uh, was for. Maybe for yeah. me. A little. That was. Good. Okay, so literally, this is how you built your business off of this, essentially. So will you kind of give the listeners, in your own words, how the heck you got to this point? It's- yeah, build my business off of other people's heart. No. No. <laughs> no, I have always been. I don't know if you guys are into the Enneagram, but I yes. literally put that. Okay, okay. I saw, do you know what number I am? I saw on social media. Are you a four? I'm a four. Hey, I'm a four. I'm a four too. Okay. And that's why I was like, no, because. No, just go ahead. Oh, I'll get I, That's probably the only reason I can even define how I do this for yeah. a living is yeah. that I am very empathetic and mm-hmm. I'm very much, um, I pay attention to feelings and yeah. I think that's what makes me a writer. Um, yeah. But yeah, the long story short is um, I graduated from college and I found myself struggling with a lot of loneliness and didn't know at the time that that would morph into a diagnosis for depression because no one in my family ever talked about depression. It wasn't like something that I knew ran in my family. And I mean, this was 2010. So it's like, I feel like we're now talking about things, but we're still just on the cusp of it. And I'm like, 2010, it wasn't even a thing. Like anxiety wasn't used as commonly um, as it was or as it is now. Um, And so in order to cope with my sadness, my loneliness, me and my 22-year-old self decided to write and leave letters for strangers across New York City. Something what only is- a four on the Enneagram would do. Yeah, only I, thing. Yeah, really- it's better than drinking your... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, what a sweet remedy. Like, I, I love that. I wanted to be in touch with other people. It felt very romantic to me. Um, it's just the way my yeah. brain thinks about things. And so I really didn't think anything. was going to come from that. I ended up writing a blog post just because um, I had just been really, I don't know, like not even, I don't even want to say I was like inspired by what I was doing, but I thought I wanted to open up the door for some conversation about why I was doing it. And it wasn't that I was doing it because I really even cared about handwritten letters. And I have said that for years of this journey. It was simply because I felt like in this digital age, as we get more and more involved in technology, what is really like the proof that we were here? You know, Mm -hmm. if all of this gets wiped Mm -hmm. tomorrow, all the podcasts get wiped, all the emails get wiped, what's tangible? Like, and so I wrote these tangible letters, I wrote a blog post about it. And then I watched my inbox fill up with brokenhearted people. And so that was the moment that I really felt like in my own story, God saying, this is where I have you. And I mean, I wasn't even a believer at the time. I, but that was the first time that I ever really felt God having a purpose for my life. And I just started to write letters to people. I wrote about 400 letters in the span of nine months. Sounds really awesome. It was not at all. (laughs) Um, 
And that became the foundation for more love letters. And that was my way to allow other people to get involved and do what I had done. Those were some of the sweetest years just starting out, like not knowing anything about how do we create a love letter writing organization, getting a PO box. And just, I just remember feeling so alive during that time. But um, that organization that is still running and thriving today has also been kind of a, um, uh, a jump pad for me in other avenues. It led to writing my first book, my second book, and now I'm in the trenches with my third book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's led to getting to speak to so many wonderful audiences and getting to put a lot of creative projects out there in the world. And it's crazy because I can remember back to before any of this had happened. I remember calling my mom, crying on the phone to her, like, why did I major in English and sociology? Like all that, like, I didn't see myself as a teacher, but I didn't know what other past would be open to me. And I just remember crying and saying to her, I just want to create and inspire. It's all that I want to do. And she was like, and that's what you'll do. Like, we'll figure it out. And that's what you'll do. And I look back now and I'm like, that's literally what I do on a daily basis. And somehow I get paid for it. And I don't know how I got that lucky, but like, I'm on the right path. Yeah, like it clicks, it fits, yeah. and so I'm very thankful. Yeah, I love That's that. Amazing. What's your favorite? Would you say the speaking or the writing? Oh, the writing, yeah, hands okay. down. Yeah, I think I'm very good at speaking, and I don't say that from like, a, oh, I'm so good at this, like, because I have I have stage fright still to this day, and I used to have major anxiety about getting on stages, but I love to tell yeah. stories, yeah. and so I think people naturally connect with people that can tell stories, mm-hmm. but writing has my heart forever. It's like, if I only could do one thing for the rest of my life, it would be write books. And that's how I've always felt since I was six. I felt like I was put on this planet to write books and that's all that I want to do. And there's been many other beautiful elements of my life, obviously, but that's definitely the thing that makes me feel most alive. I love that. So we write, Lindsay and I both like to write. We both have blogs. Um, but for you getting paid to write, do you feel like, I feel like for me right now, I just want to write for fun. Like it lights me up and that's a good thing. So, but do you feel like now that it's like, oh, I got to write this book. I got to finish this. Like there's a deadline to it. There's like an urgency to it. Does that like take away any of the passion of it or anything like that? Does it make it feel like a job or does it still feel It doesn't, the writing never feels like a job. Um, And I think it's partly because like, yes, there is a deadline. And the part of me that like needs deadlines and needs order is very Mm -hmm. thankful for that. But I think at the end of the day, like I have always kept a very like narrow mindset of like, okay, you're doing this A, because this is how you communicate the best with God. um, But B, because other people are lifted up and given hope from these words. And so I keep my focus on the readers yeah. at all costs. So like with the blog, especially I have never made a penny from my blog. It's still like the thing that like started everything. And I just want that to always be there. Yeah. Um, but it's just, the focus is always on do for one, what you wish that you could do for all. Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy because you do make a paycheck from it, but that's never been the motivating factor. Right. Yeah. It's just 
like words have the power to change people. And I'm just, I'm lucky that I get to write books that then get put in the hands of other people. So I feel like you're at a place where so many people hope to be like doing something that they love that they're, that they're getting paid for. So what would you say to someone who's not quite there, but they're like wanting to be there? Like, how do they find fulfillment in what they're doing now? Like, where do they go? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. And I I would tell anyone to just be a very present in the journey, because I think the things that you are learning right now or are experiencing right now will attribute to that later step in life. I look back and I was like, all of it had a purpose. Every little thing that I did that I didn't understand, or I didn't know where it was going to lead me to, like it all had a purpose. And that purpose doesn't always mean like that will lead to your career. That may lead to some really great friendships or relationships or whatever that is. Um, But I would also say that the biggest thing is just like work hard. I think we live in an age where we can so easily watch other people living their stories Mm -hmm. that we stop living our own. And I tell anybody that wants to be a writer or wants to get to this point of like, you have to shut off all the noise and you need to get into the writing room and you need to figure out what you have to say and you need to not look at somebody else's journey and try to hijack that journey. Yeah. Because I think that that's tough. You see somebody in this spot and you think, I just want to be there, but I can tell you it didn't come from anything but spending hours cultivating a craft, Mm -hmm. you know? And so whatever it is, figure it out what it is and then dedicate yourself to being the best you can be at that. I think the problem though is that there's so many options now. Oh yeah. People are like, I could have a blog. I could have a podcast. I could write a book. I could do this many things. And it's like, pick one and just stick with it. And then- if you get really good at that and you want to introduce something else, do that. But like, we can't be all the things. That's so true. Yeah. How, so this is one question that we wanted to ask um, as far as like mental health for business owners and I mean, people in general, you know, everybody, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's important to everyone. Yeah. But so with all of the noise and with you, you know, having such a just like a really cool, beautiful impact on social media. How do you block out that noise? And where's like the balance with that? I think that the balance is always adjusting and readjusting itself. But I always tell people like you have to be willing to check in with yourself and look at everything in your life and ask yourself the question of like, what's giving you life and what's taking life from you? Like what's giving you productivity and what is taking it? And so like for me, like I spend a really limited amount of time on social media and more so in this book writing deadline, because I started to realize even in the last few months, I was like, man, some seeds have gotten planted that I'm watering them every time I step on social media and they're not that healthy of mindsets, you know? And so I decided a few weeks ago to put a limit on myself. So I use the screen time um, on the Apple phone And I had my husband set up a password. And so I only get 60 minutes a day on Instagram. And after that, I get shut out. And so when you oh. have 60 minutes, you're like, I don't have time to scroll. I have to answer the messages. Yeah. I have to comment back on whoever commented on my post. And like, I think the biggest thing that we can give one another is like the dignity of a response if we're able to do that. Yeah. Um, there's like one person that I follow on Instagram, her um, Her handle is shut the kale up. I love her (laughs) so much. 
But she has like 200, maybe 200,000 followers. And anytime that I've messaged her, she has responded. And I thought that's really cool because I know she's getting hundreds of responses and hopefully there's balance. It looks like there's balance, but I think about what it feels like to send something and to get a response. And I'm like, that's a feeling I would rather leave my readers with than to spend that hour of my day watching other people um, and letting these weird kind of feelings seep in. And so if I am going to go and scroll, I'm going to be active in that. I'm going to be commenting. I'm going to be a part of the experience. I'm going to be social within the social media. Um, And so we're always figuring out ways to like get better in that area and figure out the ones that we're losing time with. But I think it's a lot of just a lot of balance and boundaries. And at the end of the day, knowing your worth doesn't come from social media. It doesn't come from likes on a screen. It doesn't come from the followers that you get. Like there's always going to be an algorithm involved. And so if you bank your emotions on that, you're not going to be the healthiest person. And so I really had to pull myself away from that, especially with my journey of mental health Mm -hmm. and really rewire the pathways and it's been fruitful and it's been wonderful, but it's been hard for sure. Yeah. I was kind of asked that question just when you are writing so much, it's kind of like opening the door. You're like putting your heart on a platter and it kind of invites other people in obviously to share their stories or whatever. And I'm sure there's got to be some negative like criticisms that would come with that, that you're like, okay, what do you just like ignore that? Ignore those. I mean, how do you handle? You get sad for a little while, and then you bounce back. Yeah, you think about it for a few weeks. Yeah, and it gets easier every time. It's going to happen. (laughs) What I think it's like Taylor Swift that like maybe well obviously haters gonna hate, but yeah, yeah, Yeah. Um, just like makes a song out of it and then sells millions. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) shake it off. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't think though that like I don't ever think it gets easier. Like maybe it rolls off your shoulders quicker, but like, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, I am only using my words for kind things, especially on the Mm -hmm. internet, because I see some of the hate that other people get. And I think who raised you? Like what, when did this become acceptable? And I was actually reading yesterday as part of my writing time about how social media is really like deteriorating our ability to empathize with one another. And that, apathy is coming up and that was something I was even noticing in my own spirit of like I wasn't phased by things I was seeing on the news or by things I was seeing on social media or when like another shooting would happen like I wasn't phased by it and that scared me and I thought it's because too much is overloading me right now like desensitized we're desensitized and like that's only going to continue Mm -hmm. and so I've always had, like, if somebody sends me, like, a mean email, I always try to respond if it's not anonymous. Um, And I let them know there's a person behind the screen. Like, I I did that a few years ago with a girl that I don't get a lot of hate mail. But this one girl wrote this email about all the reasons she hated me. And I, it was like, she hated me because her friends (laughs) talked about me like they knew me. And she was like, I hate that you talk about coffee like you invented it. And it's like, it was all this stuff. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And I sent her back an email and I just said, listen, like, you are 
beautiful writer. Like you have a gift with words and you should really use the words for good. Like yeah. I wasn't kidding. Yeah, it yeah. was one of the yeah, greatest emails yeah. I'd ever read, even though You're it was very about passionate. It was yeah. The like, best in the world. Yes. <laughs> like you have a, you have a gift for stringing words together and I just wish that you would use it for good. Yeah. And she ended up coming back to me and was like, I, I don't hate you at all. I'm so sorry. But I just thought if I sent this email, I could prove my friends right that you wouldn't respond to it. And like, it was almost like people are looking for scapegoats. They're not really mad at you. They don't really hate you. But in that moment, they can't project those feelings onto who they want to project them onto. And so they choose somebody they think won't be affected by it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, if you're putting yourself out there on the internet, like you're going to be chosen probably. Yeah. Yeah, Hunger Games. I bet she saw that email response and was like, oh, so someone responded. Yeah. 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 People wow. think it goes into oh, the yeah. abyss and it's like, yeah. So I've got two sons and one of them is 11 and he just got his own phone and he went to the doctor for his well checkup, like his physical. And they're asking him, how do you, how are you doing in school? Do you have friends? Do you get sad? You know, they answer the questions and they said, do you have your own phone? And he said, yeah. And he had just gotten a phone for his birthday or Christmas or whatever. And they were, they immediately like looked at me and were like, you know, do you have social media or something like that? Which he doesn't, there's blocks on his phone, but they like really laid into me, like, you know, social media and screen time is directly related to anxiety and oh, depression. Sure. My kid's 11. Yeah. He's going into middle school And I just, when the doctor's office about my child is telling me that, I was like, this is serious. And if it's not okay for my kid and I've got like all the locks on his phone, like, why is it okay for me? Hmm. You know? Yeah, And it's it's kind of a necessary evil. I get that. You know, there's so much good that can come from it too. But that just like really hit me. Like if the doctor is saying this to prevent it for kids, like. We all just need to be aware of it. Yeah, totally. Be ahead of it. Yeah, I always say you have to, like, learn to manage the tools and not let the tools manage you. Mm -hmm. And I think think in 2019, there's a lot of people that are being managed by this. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be, like, open and vocal in the conversations of, like, I don't have it all figured out at all. Like I'm feeling some of these feelings for sure. And when I feel them though, I know something is not lined up and I need to kind of go back to my core and the core is never sitting and waiting for me on the phone because I found like when I'm sad or if I'm feeling something, my usual response would be to pick up the phone and start scrolling. It's like to check out and it's like, no, 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 no. Like you didn't do this five or six years ago. This wasn't the thing, you know? Right. Um, and so I think, yeah, being willing to put up those boundaries, mm-hmm. especially because of the anxiety and the depression. Yeah. yeah. So how do you keep your sanity with you with all of these different things? Social media, you've got so many things going on. And obviously, that's not the best outlet for it. And I know you write. So yeah. but are there and I mean, are there other ways that kind of help you keep your head on straight? Yeah, I feel like my life is completely driven by like rhythms and routines almost almost to the point of like obnoxious, but it's actually like they say people that deal with depression, like thrive on routines. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my calendar is just a bunch of telling me what I'm going (laughs) to do next. Um, But it it became the thing of realizing, actually, I read, I've been reading this book called The Mindful Way Through Depression. And I had always thought the statistic was 
that you, if you go through depression once, there is an 80% likelihood that you'll go through it again. But this person brought out a statistic that every time you go through depression, you will become like you double your chances of going right back to that space. Really? So that your brain starts to form pathways of knowing, okay, when you, when you have these feelings, this is the space that you head into. So it almost becomes easier to trigger those negative thoughts when something like when you hit a road bump. And so you kind of have to rewire your brain. And so that was really eye-opening for me and for me to realize, like, I have a say in this. Like, yeah. rewiring your brain doesn't happen overnight, but, like, it can absolutely happen. Um, and so it's different things. It's like a battle plan um, where it's taking medicine every day. That's a part of my story. It's going to therapy once or twice a month. Yeah. Um, it's getting a workout five days a week. And even on those days that I don't do a workout, it's like – going out and at least moving for 40 to 45 minutes. Um, It's watching what you eat. And even though that's like super hard, like it's like, it's super hard that there's not bread in my life anymore. But I have seen the biggest difference between having it and not having it when it comes to mental clarity. Um, And so it's an all-encompassing thing for me. It's um, it's not something where it's like, oh, okay, I can compartmentalize this and put it over here. It's like, this is very much my battle and maybe my battle my whole entire life. And so everything kind of bleeds into that. But I think it's also like, I've seen such freedom from being able to get off the phone and then you have all these hours back to think, well, what do I feel like doing? Like, do I want to read a book? Like I've been reading more this year than ever before. Or do I want to write a letter? I have pen pals again this year. Um, and so all these things that like you used to love a few years ago, like I would pay attention to them because it doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. It just might mean that you haven't been taking the time to invest in those things because of the other things you're allowing to take from you. Yeah, yes. I love that. Um, I love that you brought up therapy and I want to ask you a couple of more questions about it. So we're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back. Hey guys, this is Alex. We're back on take the edge off podcast here with Hannah Brencher. Thank you, Hannah. This has been so good. Like I'm just loving this. I'm loving it. Oh yeah. Um, we get really excited about therapy around here. (laughs) (laughs) We love therapy days. So um, we were just joking off the record saying how coincidentally Lindsay and I both have therapy today, totally random um, as we are talking about therapy. But so do you have any, like, what would you say to someone who's maybe never been to therapy? Like I know a few people who are like, they're just not into it. They're very closed off about it. Like, What would you say to kind of encourage someone or Yeah. Shed some light. I mean, I think, and I get it. I totally understand why that might seem terrifying because we have such a idea of what therapy is like in our culture, you know? And I I think every person that I've ever seen step into it, like leaves and is like, why didn't I do that sooner? You know? Um, So I just would be like, you know what? Like no matter where you are, whatever you're going through, therapy is a great thing. It is something that I invest in, whether or not I'm in a pit or whatever, you know, like it makes my marriage better. It makes my friendships better. Like, um, and then I would also tell people just like not to don't get disheartened. If you go to a therapist and that person's not a fit for you, therapy is a little bit like dating. Like you, 
one and done is not usually the case. Like it's like you have to learn what you like and you have to find somebody that you connect with and click with. And that's totally okay to have an experience where you don't want to go back to a therapist. Um, But just check in with yourself to say, do I not want to go back because she or he is touching something that I feel really vulnerable about? Or do I not feel like I'm connecting with this person? Yeah. I have a friend. (laughs) This just cracks me up. So she is someone that I can just be very honest with. And that's what I love about her. But she was like, I'm so angry. I just am so mad at A, B, and C. And I need to go to counseling and blah, blah, blah. So she got my counselor's number and she went. And then after the session, she's like, your counselor made me so mad. I'm never going back to her. And I just was sitting there listening, letting her go on her tangent. And I was like, remind me why you went. And she was like, well, I was mad at A, B, and C. And I was like, and now you're mad at the counselor? And she started busting out. She was like, all right, you're right. I'll go back. Yeah, no. I'm like, they're trained to help you. Yeah, you just have to be honest with them too, you know? Yeah, totally. I feel like if you've never been to therapy, it's good to at least give it a season. Like, just give it a season. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'll probably be a a lifer. Like, I'll probably always go to therapy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. There's no fix in this. <laughs> like my therapist is at my wedding. Like oh, so, my therapist. Yeah. She doesn't know this, but I um, she's gonna marry me when I get married. I'm like, <laughs> are you you got me? I love that. I love that I too. Love that. She's amazing. Um so <laughs> I got thrown off by the idea of Sandy marrying you and whatever. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Next question. Do you feel like you've had any, like, what would you say is the career high that you've had in your career? So like the best. Yeah. Like you're just like, this was such a highlight of my career so far. Like, what would it be? That's a really great question. Um, I honestly think maybe for me, there's been so many like beautiful highlights and I'm just super thankful. Um, but Probably releasing a first book. I think that that was, I remember specifically when I started More Love Letters and kind of arguing back and forth with God of like, I don't really want to do this. I want to write books. And I just felt very clearly like, okay, but like you need something to write about. Like you have to live stories in order to write the kind of books you want to write. And um, that was just like the most crazy experience was to like to go to a bookstore and to see your words Mm -hmm. on a shelf and that that was what my grandmother had told me my whole entire life that I was made to do and that that she would be waiting for that day and unfortunately you know she's not here anymore but I know that she's proud and so I think that's such a surreal thing like it's so surreal to be like wow people still buy that book that was written several years ago and now they buy this one and it's just I don't know there's nothing like that feeling and so words are so powerful you know and I love that they're like that you have something that's in fine print yes in print tangible yeah tangible it's like I say this all the time I don't know I think this is like my mantra of my life right now but I'm like it's you have to be so careful what you say over people's lives and what you speak into their lives but it's cool that you have words that you think I don't know. They just never get outdated. And right now someone could need those words over their life. So I think that's really, really amazing. Yeah. It's like you get the chance to say 60,000 words to somebody, which is a lot of words. And it's like, well, I want them 
to be good words or right words or yeah, like you, I think you have to be so careful with the words that you do speak over people's lives. And isn't it cool that like you've had people speak over your lives back in the day that this is what you're going to be doing at the time. You're probably like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't even get it. I was like back. I'm like, why was it that she said that to me? Like, cause I don't know that I was even like a bookworm. I don't like, maybe I was doing my own little writing projects, but I, I have this, like, I just remember so clearly when I was coming out of my first year of college and I was going through my first heartbreak and I wish that there was a manual for that. And, um, I was, I was reading Eat, Pray, Love. And at the time, I mean, like what, I'm 19 years old reading mm-hmm. Eat, Pray, Love. And <laughs> I don't think I fully understood all that was going on in that book, but I just remember feeling like Liz Gilbert was walking through it with me and that she was saying all the words I needed somebody to say. And I just remember in that moment being like, this is why I want to write books. And so anytime people carry my book around or like my editor said the other day, she was like, it's crazy because we expected your readers to do eBooks. And like, there's only like 2% of the sales are eBooks and like the rest are like print copies and I think that that's, and I could have botched that up, but it was a very small yeah. number. Sounds right. Yeah. Sounded right. Sounded right. But we, I, we won't, we won't Google yeah. it. <laughs> but I'm like, that is just an answer to prayer for me because I've carried so many books that I've highlighted and yeah. underlined. And so yeah. when I see people do that with my words, I'm like, this is that Liz Gilbert moment of mm-hmm. like, somebody is walking along this road with you. You're not alone. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't tell you how many times on your social media, one of us has screenshotted something you said and sent it to the other one. I love yeah. that. So it's like, you may not know that or see that, but I'm sure like the words get passed. Yeah. Like, I mean, Lord only knows how many people are reading it. We're like, when it gets one hit us hard today, Hannah. Yeah, yeah. It's just a reminder to keep showing up and encouraging. And, yeah. and sometimes yeah. you just say things and you just literally do not know. You're like, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm just going to put it out there. And then someone, mm-hmm. lo and behold, needed to Always hear it. needs it. Always, Always needs it. it. Yeah. The I'm world so... needs us. <laughs> <laughs> the world needs more us. <laughs> We'll be here all week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speak, speaking of like speaking over people's lives. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you have a team or like employees, but like in the business world, sometimes I feel like there's this fine line because I'm a very personal person and I feel like I have to separate business from personal, like totally. So I don't overdo it or cross boundaries. Um, but when you have an employee or someone that you work with, I feel like it's kind of important to just want to know what's going on in their day or in their life. Or do you feel like that? Or do you feel like there's a boundary line where it's like a healthy business, but also personal relationship? Yeah, I'm probably not the expert at this because my boundaries are all jacked up. I'm like, you need to come sleep on my couch and I don't know you. Like... I mean, yeah, so and I've wrestled with that for years because I actually just had a team member stay at my house and I said to her, I was like, I bully myself sometimes that I'm not the person that can tell you the five strengths for life that will increase our metrics because I don't, it's not that I don't look at metrics, but I think those are people we're counting. So like, let's just try to see them. Yeah. But like, I'm the one on the team that like... (laughs) 
I get all of the junk and the mess for the person going to therapy for the first time. And I think that that's just for better or worse. Now, if somebody stops doing their work and then is also like, then maybe. But I think that. I think that that's also something that is missing in a lot of our business day-to-day interactions. We spend so many hours at our job. Gosh, I would want to make sure that the people that were below me are healthy, happy, whole, mm-hmm. okay, you yeah. know? Um, and so I, but yeah, boundaries, not always <laughs> been my strongest suit, for sure. That's why we're in therapy. Like there was a, as on a speaking engagement a while back, and I'll just never forget the host of the event afterwards was like, hey, like that girl was like coming and speaking with you. And I was like, oh yeah, like she's going to come meet me in the hotel lobby later. And like, we're going to catch up. I told her if she can't get a room, she could sleep in the bed with me. And she was like, this isn't okay. Like what? Like she's like, I'm going to have to be outside of your door. And thankfully the girl got a hotel room and that didn't come to that. My first instinct is just, you know, like doors. Yeah. Here we have a bedroom. Come on in. Like I'll make you food. And like, that will probably get me killed one day. (laughs) If if it does start a podcast about it and figure out the mystery. um, We will save. What a way to go. We'll save this recording. (laughs) It'll be like an intro to the podcast. It'll be my life realized. Um, Murder podcast. Not being murdered, but like, oh yeah. My (laughs) biggest passion is true crime so nice (laughs) sorry um but yeah I just think that I don't know like that's just the way that I try to live my life and the way that my husband tries to live his life of like we have enough we have more than enough let's just love people while Mm -hmm. we have them and go above and beyond and some people might think it's weird and maybe you shouldn't offer a (laughs) hotel bed to a stranger (laughs) but like Make sure we story, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. I love that. I've, I've found myself, like, ever since I became a business owner, I've struggled a little bit with feeling like I need to be more of, like, having boundaries or being bossier or just, like, honestly, someone that I'm not, kind of. Like, I'm always going to be that open person that just wants to know everything that's going on with everyone. Yeah. yeah. So, but I'm just glad you said that because it's, like... That's just who I am. That's what makes you beautiful. That's why they love you. Like, if I stopped asking (laughs) They do love me. (laughs) If I stopped asking my assistant about first dates that she went on and different things or how is this or that, like, it's just, yeah, Mm -hmm. like, you spend so many hours with those people. And especially, I think, like, in this line of work, of working with the brokenhearted, if Mm -hmm. you can't approach that, I don't, Yeah, yeah. That's true. But. I love that. Are we ready to move into the kicker question yes. segment? This is my favorite part because it's so our kicker question segment is just total random, get to know you. I love when people have personality and you can just take a little bit of their life and feel like you know them, I guess. I don't know. I love I it. I don't know the right way. Let's yeah. do it. So you're going to love the first question I have, okay. I think. Bachelor Nation. <laughs> oh, my favorite. My favorite. Same. Who is your, do you have a favorite bachelor or bachelorette? Favorite bachelorette, Caitlin Bristow. Same. Love her. Love her. Are we yeah. the same person? We might I be. We obsessed. might be. <laughs> I mean, we started <laughs> off the Vine podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm a Vino. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's, I wish that her podcast tour was like near us. Yes. Well, I know. There that. was no Atlanta. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's send her a letter. Yeah. Maybe should. not a Caitlin love Bristow letter. Come she to was Atlanta. for sure my favorite bachelorette. Mm. 
why do you and i why? think i think that's why i'm gonna like hannah brown um i am a big fan of hannah beast and i think it's because the bachelor and bachelorette has such a box that they fit people in and i yeah. like when the person doesn't fit in the box yeah, yeah. like Caitlyn wasn't going to be filtered. She was mm-hmm. just going to say what she felt. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way with like Hannah B is very um, quirky, a little bit yeah. weird. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm going to enjoy that. Oh, so yeah. Did you see her promo video? Oh, yeah. It was so extra. <laughs> that didn't give you chills. <laughs> we, we all watched it at Girls Night last I mean, night. We were like, what is this? Oh, yeah. I was, I was like, everyone stop. The promo video came out. Hold on. <laughs> Let me watch this. It was, like, very and dramatic. And they've never done something like that Whoa. in the history of The Bachelor. I'm like, I don't know what's coming. You think you know her. Think again. Hannah Beast is on the loose. <laughs> all right. If you're not a Bachelor Nation fan, now you're going to want to Yeah, just skip all that. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Favorite mantra. Do you have, like, a mantra of the moment? Yeah, I think I might have said it earlier. Uh, I did say it earlier. I love the mantra, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Mm, Anytime I get overwhelmed or I look in my inbox and it's really crazy or I'm thinking, I don't think I can do all of this. I just realign myself with that. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. And you just start there. I love that. So it's helped. It's helped a lot. I'm going to write that one down. Okay. So our, our last fun kicker question. Okay. Do you have a crazy or funny engagement that you've had on social media? Oh, like as in like scary or whatever, whatever comes to mind. Like someone Someone. messages you or sends you something and you're like, what? What I mean, or even just something funny. Gosh, I'm trying to think, what can I say that won't get me into trouble? (laughs) Let's not bring that one up. Oh, you can definitely bring it up here. I mean, people... People can get a little crazy. I've definitely yeah. had some crazy encounters. I've had dolls made of me on several dolls? occasions, like dolls. One was hanging on a wall. It looked kind of like a voodoo doll in the picture. And I was like, I don't know what to make of this. I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, but that's when you know you've made it. Yeah. Yeah, when, when people are making dolls. <laughs> you are here. Yes. Welcome. You have arrived. <laughs> like, that's my hair. Um, you don't like that? <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely, especially I think it was probably a little bit creepier when I was single. You know, oh, yeah. you've got men yeah. that are like, I'll get yeah. on a flight and marry you. But um, yeah, I mean, off the record, we could tell some yeah. stories. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We muted it. On that, note. <laughs> that is very interesting. Yeah. yeah. We had to ask. Yeah. Well, Hannah, thank you so, so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. Wasn't this fun? Oh, yes. I loved your words of wisdom. Absolutely. I've had a blast with you guys. Yeah. So tell everyone listening, um, I mean, we mentioned your books, but where can they find you? Like your blog, your website? Like, where can people come and follow you and Maybe find not your you? home address. Yeah, my home address. <laughs> Don't send me dolls. Um, HannahBrencher.com is where you can find everything. That's the blog. That will lead into the books. Um, books are in bookstores, wherever great books are found. And uh, Hannah Brencher on social media as well. I'm, tech- I'm married and I'm Hannah Sheets, but everything online is just Hannah Brencher. And yeah. Disclaimer. I love the disclaimer. Yeah. Got it. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank Thanks you. everyone for listening. And we will link um, Hannah's website in the caption below this podcast.
Thank you so much for listening to Take the Edge Off podcast. We hope this gives you some insight into the nitty gritty world of entrepreneurship. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Edge Agency for podcast updates and more about what we're up to.